I'm actually really looking forward to tonight because it's December and we've only got another two Sundays apart from this as a church this year. So I'm, we're going to celebrate Christmas. All right. Now I'm going to play the uh, devil's advocate, not devil's advocate. I'm going to play dumb. All right. Because the sermon series that I'd like to do over the next three weeks is called, Who is this King? Like, who is this king? Who is this king? And I'm not going to look, uh, maybe just call me a rebel, but I'm not going to look at New Testament passages. We're not going to read New Testament passages, like out of Luke or Matthew or whatever. We're going to look at um, what Isaiah reckons. All right? So a few, few passages in Isaiah over the next three weeks. So the reading for tonight is actually uh, in Isaiah chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles, have them open to that. So um, Isaiah 11, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch shall bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. So it's Christmas and we're going to ask the question over the next three weeks, who is this king? Now, you think you know the answer, you Christian folk, but you're going to have to help me. All right, because we're going to try and describe who this king is. Because sometimes when we get together at Christmas, we sing Christmas carols and uh, and we sing them. And we uh, we we sang some Christmas carols last night. And sometimes the words can just you know we we just grew up with them, so we just sing them and we know the words. And sometimes we don't really grasp the depth and description of this king. We sometimes maybe think that Christmas is a time of year where we remember that God was a baby and it was cute. So that's why we're looking at Isaiah and seeing what God says through Isaiah about this king. So first of all, the question is, who is this king? Who is this king that Isaiah 11 is talking about? When we talk about kings, like today, who's our king in our commonwealth? Anyone know? Charlie. Charlie. Yes, Prince Charles the Third. Oh, sorry, King Charles the Third, of course. 
King Charles III. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when we talk about kings and even over history, pretty much from the Garden of Eden to today, you look at a king and read about a king and you find that these kings live in the best places. They have the most stuff. They get other people to do things for them. All of their needs are provided by the people around them. Not a lot of times do you see a king doing something for someone else in a servant kind of role. Our idea of a king, even today in, in terms of leadership, whether you use the term king or not, um, in, in, uh, in our world is that leadership is, you, you, it's, it's, it's domination. You tell this person what to do and it's just dog eat dog and if you can't catch up, you lose. That's how it is. And we think of kings like that. In fact, the Old Testament is um, a bit of up and down with kings, isn't it? Like in God's kingdom in, in Israel, there's some good kings and there's some bad kings. There's some kings that were kind of a bit of both. Some fit, started good and finished bad. Some started bad and finished good. And so when we talk about kings or this king that's coming, we kind of already have a bit of a picture on what a king should look like. So let's have a look. Let's try and forget what we know about kings, right? And grasp God's concept of what a king should look like. All right. So it all starts with S in this one. So you, thank you, Ian. First, first of all, um, Isaiah 11 verse 1 describes this king. He is surprising. He's a surprising king. Verse 1 says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Anyone here ever cut down a tree? Why did you cut the tree down? It was dangerous. You wanted it to die. You wanted it to not grow into a tree. The idea of cutting a tree down is to kill it, pretty much, or to use the timber to make something else. Um, no one really cuts down a tree to prune it, like properly cut it down. And so here... In chapter 11, verse 1, we see this stump that's been cut down. In fact, chapter 11, verse 1, strangely, comes after chapter 10. And chapter 10 talks about God cutting down a whole lot of rulers and a whole lot of dominating people, a lot of kingdoms that put themselves up there against his people, against his kingdom. And the Lord Almighty, it says in verse 33 of chapter 10, will lop off the boughs with great power. The lofty trees will be felled. The tall ones will be brought low. He will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. It's all very pictorial and metaphorical, but it's basically like God, God is God or he's not. And everything else, everyone else that puts himself up against him will be cut down. And so we're looking at, the picture is, we're looking at a, a, a forest that has just been harvested, basically just cut down. All these trees cut down. There's death. No one's, no one's strong enough to stand before 
God's almighty power. There's no life. And it's surprising. All of a sudden, we see this thing coming out of a stump. Coming out of a stump of Jesse. Jesse's David's dad. King, Jesse, uh, King David's dad, Jesse. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. What's a shoot? Yeah. Is it, is it strong and mighty? No, it's just... This is, this is talking about a king, and he's a surprising king. This king's introduction into the world was in a manger in Bethlehem, like a shoot in a dry stump, a sign of life in a very barren place. When Jesus was born, the kingdom, the Roman kingdom was oppressing God's, God's people, and it was very, very hard. There was no king. There was no, there was no way out. It seemed like it was a lost cause. But he's a surprising, this surprising, this king in Isaiah 11 is a surprising king. Just comes out of nowhere. I wonder if you know him, who this king is. And the next one is superior. So verse 2 says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, and the spirit of the knowledge of the, and the fear of the Lord. This is the king, right? It's describing this king. He's, he's, he's superior. He's superior in every way. So he's superior spiritually. It says the spirit, capital S, of the Lord will rest on him. Now in the Old Testament, kings and priests and prophets would have the spirit of God come upon them for a particular task. And even other people, regular people, um, like Othniel, the guy that built the, the tabernacle. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him for a particular task. He did the task, and then the Spirit of the Lord left him. And it would come upon someone else at a particular time and space. You know, the judges, you see the Spirit of God coming upon like Samuel, Samson, and all, sort of, all those judges. But then it would leave. But this king, it says the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. That means actually means to permanently dwell in this king. This king will be superior spiritually. This king um, also will be superior in wisdom. In verse 3, he'll be superior in wisdom. So verse 3, you've got your Bibles. It says, um, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. So this king, he's not going to be like, you know, someone's going to come into his throne room with a particular situation, and he's not going to judge by what he's looking at. He's going to have deep wisdom, this king. He's going to, he's going to come to situations. It might look like some, one thing on the outside, but this king's going to come to that situation and know exactly what to do. He'll have wisdom, superior wisdom and understanding. Um, and also, he's superior in judgment. In verse 4, it says, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. This is a picture of his words being absolute truth and no one else can say a thing. And guess who he's helping? He's helping the poor. In his judgment, he's stepping in for those who are oppressed and those who are 
poor and those who are needy, the outcasts in his kingdom. This king is surprising and he's superior in wisdom, in spirit and in judgment. This king also in verse 5 we find is strong. He has strength, steadfastness. In verse 5 it says, Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Now this is a picture of um, the belt and the sash around his waist in, in the Bible is a picture of strength. So you're, you're um, girding your loins. You heard that saying before? Someone girded their loins. They actually strengthened themselves. They kind of tensed their abs and they were like, I'm ready for this. All right. And this, this king has got two kinds of belts. All right. A sash and a belt. But there are two things that are going around that. In other words, the picture is his strength really lies in these two particular characteristics. He is strong in, what is it, righteousness and faithfulness. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. His strength is righteousness and faithfulness. Every other king, and in fact, every other human being, our weakness is our lack of righteousness and our lack of faithfulness. We try our hardest. I mean, we've got comparative righteousness. So, um, you know, one of you guys might be more righteous than me. But then when it, but when it comes to God, if we put him in the room, you know, it's just, it's polarizing. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be, you know, Mother Teresa or the nicest person you've ever met. Our righteousness is no good. Our faithfulness, or the word actually is kind of truth, we fall short of that too. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 24, it talks about how we all fall short. Oh, there it is. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So I wonder if this king is Christ Jesus. Who is this king? He's a surprising king, comes out of nowhere. He doesn't come as you expect him to come. He's superior in every way. He's strong in righteousness and faithfulness. In other words, he's strong to save us. He's strong to save us. When all, and all, also this picture of these belts is actually a real intimacy thing too. I don't want to get too weird, but basically when you strip this king of his crown, of his army, of his palaces, of his holiday mansions, of all of his riches, all of his wealth, all of his heritage, like his ancestry, when you strip the king of everything possible, even his clothing, what you find on this king is righteousness and faithfulness. And it's such a beautiful picture, isn't it, of the cross? I don't want to tell you the answer, but you know, it, it kind of would make sense if it was Jesus, because when he was stripped for us and nailed to a cross, he still was strong in righteousness and faithfulness all the way. Strong to save. Um, the next thing I notice is in verses 6 to 9, which is probably the weirdest passage in the entire Bible. And I, I love weird passages because I can't let it go. Often, when we come to weird passages like this, we kind of go, well, it's going to make sense one day. I'll just let it go. But this, this king seems to me to be a supernatural king. 
In other words, he brings supernatural reform or supernatural change. Check it out. Verse 6, the wolf will live with the lamb. Like live, not eat the lamb, live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat and not eat it. The calf and the lion and the yearling will eat together. And a little child will lead them. This is weird. The cow will feed with the bear. Their, their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. What does this mean? Is it metaphorical? Is it, is it actually true? And if it is talking about Jesus, why do we still go to the zoo and see lions not eating straw? What's going on? The infant will play near the cobra's den. That's not very safe. And the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. This is a really cool, actual, it's not really a picture. It's actually going to happen one day. This is actually going to happen one day. And he's a supernatural king. And wherever he is actually on the throne, this stuff happens. Supernatural things happen. We're told in 2 Corinthians 5, um, 17, that um, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come, and it's an inside job. He brings supernatural change. It's weird enough to talk about lions and leopards and stuff lying down with goats and lambs. But when you talk about things like this drug addict that was, was on a downward spiral and was losing their life and was uh, tried it a few times, but they met Jesus and he changed them. And now they're married and have five kids and live in Victoria. He's a supernatural king. This is a supernatural king. And it's a supernatural king that does, look, and, and the supernatural stuff doesn't make sense to us, but this is that kind of king. He does that. He takes things that he makes, he, actually, it's really not supernatural. It's actually natural for Jesus. The disciples were on the lake one time, or they were on the side of the lake, and Jesus said to them, let's go to the other side. And so they jumped in and he jumped in and, and they all started rowing over with their, with their boat. And Jesus decided to have a nap in the back of the, at the boat, right? Remember, you know the story? And he fell asleep. And then meanwhile, this massive storm comes. The disciples freak out. Jesus, why are you sleeping? Wake up. Save us. We're going to die. And Jesus, with a word, calms the storm and the waves. And it's just still. And they turn to him or turn to each other and they say, what? Who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this? See, they, 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 they saw Jesus as the bloke. I wonder what side of the, what side of the bed Jesus, what, what side he slept on. Did he sleep on his left side or his right side in the boat? Did he snore? You know, and that's what the disciples would have seen. This man, you know, this is, this is Jesus. He's been with us for a while. Yeah, he does some pretty cool stuff. But then when he does this, which is supernatural, who is this? Who, who is this? God will one day recreate a new heaven, a new earth. And that picture of the animals 
All of creation is waiting for that to happen. All right. Romans 8 tells us that. It's groaning, waiting for that to happen. It's an inside job, people and creation. So he's surprising, he's superior, he's strong, he's supernatural. And the last one is verse 5. And it's really easy. This king, in verse 5, it says righteousness, sorry, no, not verse 5, verse 10, my bad. Point number 5. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. This king is a savior. He brings salvation. He, he is the banner of salvation. Now, this banner idea is actually just, basically, it's a sign of victory. You raise a banner in victory. No Socceroos supporters were raising any banners this morning at 8 o'clock. But I'll tell you what, in Argentina, they would have been going nuts. They would have been loco. I think that's Argentinian for crazy. Raising banners, waving flags, going crazy. Why? Because they won. This king, this king, when we look at, when, when people look at this king as their king, they raise him up like a banner. They, they look at the victory that they have when they look at this king. When they, lift up Jesus, when they lift up Jesus, they look at the victory that he's achieved for them. Romans 15, 12 says the Gentiles will come to him and place their hope in him. He is the banner for the peoples, a sign of victory. There's victory in this king. Wow, who is this king? I wonder if you know him. Because I find that in my life, he surprises me to no end. I forget how superior he really is until I ask him for help. Lord, what's the, wisdom, what's the wisest thing to do in this situation? How do I judge in this situation? I need your strength, Lord. Give me your spirit, please. He's strong. When we're weak, when we're not righteous, he is. When we are not faithful, he is. Maybe this king is Jesus. Let's pray. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that when you're on the throne, Supernatural things happen. Lives change. People change. Situations change. The impossible becomes possible. You're a surprising king. You're so surprising, Lord. And it's humbling. So many times we ask for things, we ask for help in situations, and sometimes we really don't believe that you're able to do it. And yet you come through in a way that we never expected. And you're so strong, Lord. You're so strong. When we are weak, you are strong. We thank you. Thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for Christmas. We can spend this time celebrating who you are, what kind of a king you are. We thank you, Lord. We can celebrate that tonight. Help us, Lord God, to share that message in our life this week and share that, uh, those qualities of who you are through your Holy Spirit in us, with the people around us. 
we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.